was a cold December night during the final weeks of my first semester in college when the fire alarm went off in the middle of the night of the dorm where I was living. And Scott, my roommate, and I were freshmen, so kind of in our day's stupor, we made the bright decision that we were just going to stay in our dorm room and assumed that no one would notice that we had not evacuated with the rest of the building. We assumed it, just, it was a false alarm. So we were there in bed, you know, with this pulsating, screeching sound going off, trying to get back to bed. And after about 10 minutes of that, we heard this pounding at the door. And we heard a key going into our lock. And then I looked up and saw Brian, one of the RAs of our building, standing there. And when he saw both of us in our bunks, cozy in our, in our beds, he said, what the expletive are you doing? And then yelled, get the expletive out of here. So in this moment, we panicked. We freaked out. We knew best case scenario, it was a false alarm, but we were going to get written up for not following safety procedures. Worst case scenario, there actually was a fire and we might die. And so we rushed, we scurried, we ran out of our dorm room on the first floor out into the outer courtyard where the rest of the dorm had already gathered. Many of them had grabbed hoodies and sweatpants on the way out. Some even had hats and gloves and winter jackets. There was snow on the ground. It was really cold. It was like zero degrees or whatever. And there, like fools, was I and my roommate Scott in shorts and t-shirts. I had slipped into some flip-flops on the way out. Scott was not so lucky. He was there barefoot, standing on the cold ground. And we assumed that, well, at least since we were the last ones out, things would move pretty quickly getting back in. But that's not what happened. We waited and we waited and we waited longer. Then this fire guy showed up from the city, and I think he was trying to teach these college guys a lessons about not pranking fire alarms, so he went in the warm building, took his good old time turning off all the things and making sure it was really a false alarm. It's actually about 40 minutes or so, about 3 in the morning, we were allowed back into the building. I thought of that cold night as I was reflecting upon the parable we just heard about people who make decisions in a foolish way and those who make decisions in a wise way. People who make decisions from a place of panic and fear and hurry versus those who've thought about things, who've reflected about things, who've prepared for things. There's three lessons about how to make good, long-term decisions in our readings this weekend. The first is that important decisions should come from a place of reflection and prayer. We should ponder them, we should think about them, and act accordingly. That's what the wise women did in the parable today. They had thought about the future. They had thought about how the night might go. They thought about what might have happened. The five foolish ones had just rushed out carrying a lamp, but no oil to go with it. So to try to put this in more modern images, think about leaving your house, or your dorm room, or your apartment with your cell phone for the weekend, but not taking a charger or a cord with it, or taking your laptop to a coffee shop to study for the day, but not checking your battery level, not taking the cord that goes with it, not knowing how long it's going to last. The wise ones thought about it. 
They thought about the future and were prepared for it. They took a container of oil to fuel the lamb. The foolish ones did not. Now, the idea of reflecting on important decisions is not really rocket science, right? It's kind of an elementary idea. It's really common sense. You don't need me to tell you that. You don't need the Bible to tell us that. But if we stop and think about the world in which we live, the lifestyles we live, actually, it's really hard to do that, to take time to reflect on our decisions, to ask the big questions. Where is our life going? What's my purpose here? Am I really happy in what I'm doing? We don't have time to do that because we're rushing around, we're hurrying. We have a lot going on, we're barely even sleeping some weeks here on campus because we have so much to do, and so we can fail to think about the big picture, to ask the really hard questions. It's actually kind of interesting, in the parable, it says they were foolish. It doesn't say they were lazy. In fact, they may have been anything but lazy. They may have been they just packed their day with so many things, like most of us do, that they didn't have time to think and to ponder how the, might, the night might turn out, what they really should do to get ready for the bridegroom's coming. And this really, I think, affects our lives. I mean, think about college relationships. How long, how often do we spend too long in a relationship? A relationship that's not really healthy, or someone that, at the end of the day, we realize we don't want this person to be the mother or father of our children someday. But we don't stop and ask those questions because we're so busy. We have so much going on. It's easier just to stay in the relationship. And it takes much longer than it should to realize this is not the person we should be with right now. Or think about our careers. Oftentimes we end up in a workplace that's kind of toxic. It's kind of eroding our morals, our ethics, or even just our attitude. And we don't really think about it. We don't even think about the fact that it could be different. We could choose to do something different. We might be able to do something to change things or to just go elsewhere because we're so intense. We have so much going on. Our readings this weekend encourage us every so often to pause, to reflect, to ask the bigger questions. The second lesson from our parable today is that prayer can provide us stability for the stressful moments, the unexpected moments, moments when we have to make really difficult decisions. See, Jesus was getting his apostles ready for something. Certainly the end of their lives, I mean, he was talking about the coming of the bridegroom, that's a symbolism for death, but he was also, I think, talking about something much earlier, something that would happen just a few days or a few weeks after he told the story. It was his own death. It was his own suffering and passion. He was trying to encourage them in those moments not to panic, not to make a decision out of fear, not just to go along with the flow with everybody else, but to make a reasoned decision, a decision that came from a place of stability in their hearts. Now, of course, as the apostles were, they really didn't follow his advice, most of them. Judas acted on an impulse and for immediate gratification betrayed Jesus. Simon Peter, when he was being kind of made fun of by some people but for being a friend of Jesus, he quickly ran away in fear. And then the other apostles, for the most part, panicked and ran away themselves in that moment. Except for one, John the Apostle. He was a very contemplative type. He had spent time asking the hard questions speaking to Jesus about difficult things, getting to know his heart, getting to know his plan. And so in that moment, 
when everyone else panicked, when everyone else acted out of fear, when everyone else just went along with what everyone else was doing, he was able to make a good decision, a wise decision. He was able to make a commitment to stand next to Jesus when he was suffering on the cross. He was there, Mary was there, and another group of women. Those people had acted in a place of commitment to their friend Jesus because they had spent the time getting to know him. And that's what we do in prayer. When we spend time in prayer, we get this stability. To use the image of the gospel today, we're refilling our tank, refueling, so that we have something to run off of spiritually. Or to use the more contemporary image, it's when we plug in to recharge ourselves spiritually. So we take a moment of prayer at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, or or we're just walking across campus, that's going to recharge us and get us ready for those hard decisions we're going to need to make. Other times we kind of need to fully recharge our batteries spiritually. That's why we come here to Sunday Mass for a whole hour, or why we go for a walk on a beautiful day like today and think about the bigger questions of life, or come here on Tuesday evenings for adoration, to put our lives in perspective, to think about the big perspective so God can share his wisdom with us which is the third and final point for our reflection today. God wants to share wisdom with us, which means we don't need to walk around campus with this big cloud of doom hanging over us because we have all these stressful decisions to make. If we're seeking God's wisdom, we're asking for it, we're spending time spiritually connecting with God, we can have confidence that we're going to have the wisdom we need to make the hard decisions. His wisdom will be there to guide us. And even if we've made some mistakes or know we might make a few more, if we're seeking God's wisdom, if we're asking for it, He's going to give it to us to learn how to learn from those mistakes. We can have confidence in our future, even though it's terribly unpredictable. That was the theme running through the parable today is no one knew how the evening was going to turn out. The wise ones, the foolish ones, but the wise ones accepted the fact that it would be unpredictable. And they brought the fuel along they needed to deal with it. That's what we do when we're spiritually committed. We receive the fuel, the strength, the wisdom, the grace we need to deal with the unpredictability, the uncertainty of our future. And so that's what we do as we continue with Mass now. We pray for God's wisdom to guide us. We think about the bigger picture in our lives. We ask for God's guidance. So that when the end of our lives come, Christ the bridegroom might greet us and might invite us to share in his great wedding banquet, the joy of his kingdom in heaven.